Okay, would you like to turn to Matthew chapter 28? Uh, if you're a member here, regular here, you will know that we're going through, uh, at the moment, the three characteristics of our church that God's called us to, and uh, they are to be influential, to be integrated, and to be international, to be influential in terms of the gospel in this town and area, and to be integrated within this church amongst the many nationalities these flags represent, and also to be international in our outlook. And so today, we've done influential, we've done integrated. By the way, did you all do something? Because we had to rush off to go to Turkey last Sunday. Did you all do what I asked you to do over coffee? No, Fiona didn't. Well done. Thank you for agreeing, Fiona, that you didn't do that. Um, You haven't got a clue what I'm talking about, have you? No. So I did ask you to make sure that you spoke to people you don't normally speak to over coffee uh, to enhance our integration, okay? Or as the Americans would say, integration enhancement. (laughs) The integration enhancement goal of the church. Okay, so Matthew chapter 20, I hope you all got there by now, have you? And verse 16. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Lord, will you be with us now, Lord, as we just explore these simple but challenging verses in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, when we start talking about being international, your mind immediately turns, I'm sure, to this sort of passage where Jesus speaks about his uh, desire for us to reach out to the nations. There are other passages we'll get to in a minute which say similar sorts of things, Um, but this passage I'm going to start with because it's the commission. In my Bible, this paragraph is headed up, The Great Commission. The commission that Jesus gave us to make disciples of all nations. Make disciples of all nations. There's a college near here in Ware called All Nations College, Bible College, where they train people to go to the nations. Jesus, when he appeared to the disciples after the resurrection was very clear with them that they were to go to all nations. But as you read that, I don't know if you, as you read that, you thought verse 17 was an interesting verse. I love the way the Bible is honest, you know, about these things. And, and there's this little verse there. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Have, have you ever thought of standing on a mountain... You know, there you are, up this hill, 
Jesus says he's going to meet you there. And boom, poof, suddenly he's there. And yet some doubt it. Isn't that strange? Wouldn't you have loved to have been there? I would have loved to have been there myself. I'd love to have stood on that mountain and seen Jesus face to face and see his hands and his side and his feet marked with the marks of the cross. I don't know. Just to stand with Jesus, just, just see the resurrected King of Kings. Wouldn't that have been fantastic? Don't you think, how, how could it be that this, this man now travels from here to there and goes through walls and does all sorts of stuff like that? He's, he's somehow living in a different dimension, yet entirely within our dimensions, isn't that? That was, that was the amazing thing of these post-resurrection ex, uh, experiences people had. Jesus was living in an eternal dimension, as it were. He was living in a new body, the resurrected body, and yet it was just the same Jesus they'd always known, who ate breakfast on a beach. I love that story of Peter on the beach, you know, uh, when they're out fishing and John says, it's the Lord, and Peter swims to the shore, and Jesus is cooking mackerel. It doesn't say that in the Bible. I'm just making that one up. Jesus is cooking fish. He's barbecuing some fish there and then. When we were in Nigeria uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, Biama took us to this fish restaurant place. You drove in and parked on this dirt sort of area and uh, there was a couple of run-down shacks and in one of them there was this barbecue and next to the barbecue was an old bath. And this old bath had water in it and fish and you could choose your fish and have it barbecued for you. That was fun, wasn't it? The only problem that I found with this was that everywhere was dark. It was in the evening. It was all dark. Couldn't see a thing. I couldn't see what I was eating. And, uh, you know, fish is tricky. You've got to fillet it carefully. And, uh, you know, I, I couldn't sort out what was what on my plate. It was dark. It's very strange. Why they didn't have lights, I have no idea. I think they thought it was part of the atmosphere. Quite a lot of people were sitting out in the, in the dirt area at uh, sort of plastic picnic tables and chairs and eating out there. Um, but Biama took me because he knew that I like fish. Wasn't that kind of him? See, Jesus, I believe, knew Peter like mackerel. I'm just imagining, okay? I'm just imagining. He knew that Peter liked to barbecue his breakfast after spending a night fishing. He, I, I believe, I just like to believe that that was part of Jesus's mark of love for Peter. Come on, Peter, have your favourite. Come on, come on, Peter, come and smell that. God, it's good, isn't it? I believe Jesus is like that. He loves to give us things we enjoy. And so, some doubted. Isn't that a strange thing? Some doubted. How could you be in that situation and doubt? 
How could you have lived through the cross and the resurrection story, stories being told you, even if you'd ne- not had that personal experience? Maybe this was the first one. I mean, there's so many questions run through my head. How can you get to the point of doubting? Isn't that amazing? But it's encouraging for us in this sense that you can preach the gospel around the world and some will always be there doubting. You can go from nation to nation and there always will be people who doubt the truth. It can be quite impacting, can be things that happen. We, many, many years ago, when we were in Seaford with Terry Virgo, this guy got healed in a wheelchair. He's in a wheelchair and he was totally healed. He walked and everything, got rid of his wheelchair, he walked around the town for the next few months and then he died. Without ever becoming a believer. How can you do that? Strange, isn't it? Well, it doesn't stop the Great Commission. You know, some doubted, but Jesus just ploughs on, doesn't he? <laughs> he doesn't say, oh dear, oh well, maybe now I'll, I'll draw back from this. Maybe I'll have to revise what I was going to say to these guys. Maybe I'll have to sort of, ooh, ah, this is a bit painful. They don't all, they don't, they're not all 100%. You know, they're not all going, yay, 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 king of kings. So I, I, I better back off a bit. No, he doesn't do that. He just ploughs straight on right into the heart of the message. Go therefore, make disciples. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, go therefore. It's no good going if Jesus doesn't have that authority. You know, it's no good going if Jesus hadn't won the victory on the cross. It's because he won the victory on the cross, because he dealt with sin once and for all, sacrifice for all time, because of that, because of the resurrection demonstrating that the sacrifice was complete and acceptable to God, because of that resurrection life that now he gives to all of us, because of that power and authority, he went up into heaven and seated at the right hand of the Father, and he's there now, interceding for us. He is not here, but the Holy Spirit is, to lead us into international ministry. Right? He... It would be no good unless those things had happened. Do you understand that? There is no point unless Jesus is king. It's like Paul talks about in uh, in 1 Corinthians 15 where he talks about if Jesus is not raised from the dead then we're the most miserable to be pitied people. But Jesus has been raised from the dead therefore go into all the world. because he has authority, therefore go. I love that passage in Ephesians chapter 1 and it's verse uh, 22. He's head over all things for the church. For the church. To go and make disciples is to go and add people to the church, the global church, the international church, the universal church, we used to call it. I love this word global now, because the conference we've just been to is called Global 2012. I love that word, the global church. So he's head over all things for the sake of the church, it says in Ephesians. 
We went to Ephesus on Friday. Never been to anything like that before. And it was an amazing experience. You sort of, you stand there all the time. You, you're looking at stones and pillars and things and you're thinking, Paul was here, you know. But Paul himself must have walked on these stones, touched these pillars. Paul himself was here. I get like that over places like that, do you? You know, lots of people look at me blankly, you know, that's okay. But some of you are nodding, saying, yes, I understand that feeling. That feeling, weird feeling, isn't it, of, of awe that here I am in the same place. Here I am looking at the same sorts of things. One thing I know has not changed since Paul's day, that is the mountains around, the hills around. It must be the same hills that he looked at, you know. And they say when he was taken from the, when he was escaped from the, the riot, they showed you where the riot probably came, down the, down the hill, down the main centre street, down to the library, and you're standing there, then to the, to the, ah, uh, oh, the theatre, amphitheatre. And Paul was whisked away, and they said, taken up there to the top of that hill where there's a house. And you just think, I'm standing here. Wow. <laughs> and Paul had no idea, really, did he, as to how extensive and how powerful would be the life-changing experience in nation after nation after nation that he didn't even know existed at that time. And if we could stand with him now, you know, if, if Paul could have stood beside me in that amphitheatre, I could have said to him, Paul, you were the apostle to the Gentiles. I'm a Christian because of your witness. So the people in my church, we're all Christians because of your witness. We're all Christians because you were faithful to this commission. It's a great commission. Secondly, that was the first point, okay, if you're taking notes. Second point is the commissioning. There's a commission and there's a commissioning. And for this, uh, we're just going to turn over a few pages to John chapter 20 and uh, have a look at what that says. John chapter 20, verse 19. On, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood among them. <laughs> That's a bit more amusing still since Sam's word. Don't try the window. Go through the door. Duh. Jesus just went through the wall. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. I've always, every time I've read this passage, it's always amused me. You know, this, these disciples, they're locked up, everything, everything's locked up. You know, the windows are shut, the doors are bolted. You know, and then suddenly, boom, there's Jesus. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so... I'm sending you. 
as the Father sent me, even so I am sending you. How did the Father send Jesus? Well, you've only got to read that passage in Philippians 2, haven't you? That he left heaven. He didn't count equality with God a thing to be held on to. But he left heaven. Was born in a manger. Born a baby. Very, very vulnerable. His ministry was a ministry of humility and servanthood and yet at the same time of enormous power. He didn't come as a warrior king to lead an army into battle against the Romans. He came as a humble man in the midst of the turmoil of that time, just leading people to see the truth of who he was. If anyone first, let him come to me. What an amazing humility he had. And yet an extraordinary power. Water he turned into wine. I thought we were going to sing that this morning. I had it in my head. So maybe later. Water he turned into wine. The dead Lazarus. Lazarus come forth. All sorts of things happening around him. What a wonderful example it is. What a wonderful ministry it was. Finishing in that ultimate sacrifice. But how did the Father send him? Well, with humility, but with power. The next verse uh, uh, says, and he, oh, I've lost it, I'm in the wrong place. The next verse says, and he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He sent us as he was sent. And he was sent to live humbly and yet with extraordinary power. You turn back in Matthew to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew 10 verse uh, 16. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. I'm sending you out as sheep amongst wolves, Jesus said. And it's certainly true that that can be what it feels like when you're a Christian in a, in a new setting, in a strange country, in somewhere you don't know. Can feel like that. Can feel like that in Britain. Can feel like that in Hatfield Market. Sheep amongst wolves. You can feel that in all sorts of places. But what did he say? So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. And where does that wisdom come from? But from the Holy Spirit. See, when Jesus walked the earth, he walked in communion with God via the Holy Spirit himself. He waited till he was baptised and the Spirit came down as a dove 
rested upon him. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. These things all happened to demonstrate to us that Jesus also walked in the Spirit. How did he choose at the pool of Bethesda? How did he choose which person? How did he know which one to go to? How did he heal this one and that one and not this one and that one? How was it that he did all these things? Well, through the Spirit, he says, I follow he says, I follow what God is saying. I only do what I see my Father doing. And he sees his Father doing via the Holy Spirit. And so we too can follow the Holy Spirit's promptings and do likewise. While we were away, we heard some extraordinary stories uh, of people in di- difficult situations in difficult countries. And uh, one of them was... Uh, about a guy who was amongst a lot of Muslims and they were debating um, and saying, we want to we hear. We want to hear what you're, what you're about, you know. And uh, so he went through the story from Genesis through to Jesus and he got through this story and... Uh, this guy at the back with his AK-47 around his shoulder shouts out, God is, you know, the, the, the Muslim phrase, God is great. And they said, you know, you think, <gasps> that's it now, we've offended, the, the gospel has been an offence here. And these, these, these people armed to the teeth surrounding him. And he said, God is great. So why haven't we heard this before? Why haven't we heard this before? Wow. Why is the serpents innocent as doves, sheep among wolves? In Acts chapter 1, if you've got your Bibles turned, please, to Acts chapter 1. And uh, we'll see more of the commissioning. Acts chapter 1, verse 4. While staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, which he, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So, when they come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or seasons the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Such an important verse, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Of course, for those guys sitting there, this was a whole new world view. This was something totally different. They'd never, ever thought like this before. What do you mean, Samaria? We despise the Samaritans. What do you mean, Samaria? What do you mean, the Gentiles? Gentile dogs? We, we despise the Gentile nations. 
they haven't got the law and the prophets. Surely the whole plan is that Israel will be the leading nation of the world. We will direct these people to our God. And we'll be in charge everywhere. And they haven't got that. They haven't got that from Jesus. Jesus turns to them and says, no, no, no. No, your worldview's wrong. And anyway, these issues are left with the Father. You need to know that this is my commissioning to you. I'm commissioning you now to go to the ends of the earth, to go to the Samaritans, to go to the Gentile nations. I'm commissioning you that the gospel is a gospel for the world. The gospel is for every nation. The gospel is for every person under the sun. The gospel is for every single tribe and nation. There is no exceptions. Jesus doesn't say that there are any exceptions. He doesn't say Samaria, Judea, and you know, to the ends of the earth, except for the United States of America, which you don't know about yet, but it'll happen. Doesn't say that. Doesn't say except for the Eskimos. Or whatever we call them now. That's non-PC now, isn't it, Eskimo? Inuits, that's it. He doesn't make any exceptions. There are no exceptions. All authority, all power, all the world. Do you see that in there? All authority, all power, all the world. There are no exceptions as far as Jesus is concerned, so there should be no exceptions for us as far as we are concerned. You know, like we were talking, was it last, last week? There should be no racism in the church. No one is accepted. No one is different. We're all under one Lord and King. Hallelujah. All authority. Jesus' cross and resurrection gives him that authority. His exhortation gives him that authority. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. You can read Ephesians chapter 1 and you can go, Whoa, yes, yippee. Hallelujah. You can read these things and get your heart stirred about the authority Jesus Christ has and the power, the Holy Spirit. You will receive power. (laughs) You will receive power. What, me? What do you mean, me? Little me? Yes, you. You can receive power to be a witness. Power to follow the Spirit's promptings. Power to be the one who speaks to others and sees them saved. What? Isn't that, wouldn't that be amazing if everyone in this, in this room saw someone saved next year? Wouldn't that be amazing? If we all said... All could testify, I was led by the Holy Spirit to speak to this person and, you know, now they're in the church. You may be just saying something quite ordinary, but it has power behind it because the Spirit opens people's minds, the Spirit opens people's hearts. It's the Spirit at work that draws people to Christ. We're just there to, to, uh, to be the servants of the King and to respond to his promptings. The Spirit will do the work. And all the world, every nation. So thirdly, what's KCC's commission then? If that's the commission for the global church, what about us in particular? What about us? Well, we have up here flags of 18 nations. I counted them twice during the worship to make sure I got it right. There's 18 flags up here. 
representing from the nations, the people in this church who are from these different nations. Next week we'll have this international uh, event and please bring your lunch, demonstrate to us your national lunch, whatever. Bring, uh, you know, I don't know what you English guys are going to bring for a national lunch. What? Roast. Dom's going to bring some roast. That's good. Uh, no, no, no. You can bring what you like. Jack is very worried that I'm, that I'm imposing something on you. You can bring what you like. Yes. No. Nigerians. Can you bring some fish soup? I just love Nigerian fish soup. And Anything else? Who, who, likes, who, who likes what? Anyone want to make a request now? For next week's lunch. Curry? What? Thai curry. Curry, Thai curry, fish soup. Anything else? No? Okay. You're a rotten lot, aren't you? So someone might have said pizza. Italiano pizza. Anything, uh, anything else? You're a quiet lot this morning, I must say. Okay, so we should have the food of 19 nations next, next week. Isn't that right? <laughs> it's possible. I know the English are just going to bring chips. I know that's... We'll be piled out with chips. I know that's what it's... Meze? I'm just wetting your appetite here. But you see, what a privilege God has put to this church that we should have these nations amongst us. You know, often, often or sometimes, we ask people to pray in their national language, don't we? When they put a flag in, we ask them to pray for their country in their language. You know, sometimes we just have a time when we pray in our languages. People come to the front and just pray in their language. I have this idea that next week we could sing a song in different languages. Someone will come out you know, and sing a, song, a simple song. You know, and, and this morning we had one, didn't we? Just like I was expecting next week. We had this week. What was the, what was the uh, language, Gaish? Zulu. Zulu. So... Here's a simple song. Maybe it's, you know, something like Great is He, the King of Kings or something. So you, just, you can just translate that into your language. It doesn't matter if it doesn't scan. Just come out and sing it. You know, we can, we can keep playing. Verse, uh, you know, keep playing, singing the chorus together. And someone comes out and s- sings in their language, yeah? You ready for that? Jackie said you'd all be chicken. Is that... It's, it's, it's easy for me because I, can, I, you know, I can sing in English, can't I? But we could ask Ruth to sing in Russian, couldn't we? I got this idea, you see, and it's in, buzzing in my head. That would be great to sing, as well as to pray in different languages to the Lord. You know, when we, when students come here from different countries. It's a privilege to have them. Did you know that? You know, when we have students like we've had from China, you know, it's, it's an awesome privilege 
to have them amongst us that we might impart to them what we've learnt of the Lord, what we've learnt of church life, that we might impart to them something that, like we're saying in that Envision video, that matures them, opens their eyes to the potential of the future, opens their eyes to what God can do in their life, takes them from, you know, a fresher who's just thinking about uni, new place, new things, new lectures, you know, to someone who is confident and knows God is with them and who will go to the ends of the earth with the Lord with them. Such a privilege and honour. Let me tell you that while we were in Turkey, one of the guys came up to me and he said, "Um, did you, you had a student called Izagu with you? Oh yeah, we said Izagu, we remember Izagu. He's in my church now. Wow, isn't that good? Bolton. People need to be saved in Bolton. So he's in this church in Bolton. He doesn't actually live in Bolton, but he is driving to this church in Bolton because he said, I have learnt church must be multi-ethnic. I have learnt that church is international. Therefore, I will not join this monoculture church. I will go and find a church that is multi-ethnic. And he ends up in the New Frontiers Church in Bolton. Hallelujah. See, something, we have the privilege of, of putting that truth into his life. And, and, you know, you might not have hardly spoken to Izagu. But he's learned something amongst us and taken it with him. And the church is commissioned not just to receive and to influence and to send, but also to go directly ourselves to Russia and Canada that was left out of the list. And, you know, we're talking to some churches around in Albania, uh, about the possibility of a team there. Isn't that exciting? Albania. Do you know any Albanian? Is that their language? But we may be sending a team to Albania. Things are happening amongst us that is international. Each home group is attached to a Russian church. Did you know that? Every home group here, we have tried to get them in touch with one of the Russian churches that I uh, am involved in in Russia, one of the churches I cover in Russia. We've tried to get every group, uh, a church to be pen friends with, if you like, to pray for and to understand something of their particular situation and their life because of uh, the ministry. This church has such a ministry. You may think, well, I just turn up on Sundays, but no, you're part of an international ministry. You're part of this church's international. You belong to this church, you belong to this church's international ministry. It's as simple as that. You don't have to sign extra things and say, I'm going to think internationally, signed, you know, 20. 1st of October 2012. No, no, you're, because you're here, you're part of it. You're part of the international multi-ethnic approach to life that we believe Jesus Christ initiated, inaugurated, commissioned us to do in the future. 
What's it mean for you? Well, be aware that that is the case. Be aware. Look on the map. See these places where they're on the map. Try and find out as much as you can about them, about the culture. What's it like to be a Russian? What's it like to be a Russian Christian? What's it like? How does it feel? You know, and then if you get the opportunity to go, you'll be excited because you'll be putting out uh, into practice what you have been thinking about and praying for. And uh, pray for the people who go on trips. Pray, pray for us. Thank you for praying for us for last week. I mean, it was a, a wonderful international time. You know, you, you hear all these people and meet all these people from all over the world and there's the murmuring of the translation going on behind your head, you know. In the meetings, when someone's preaching, there's this constant murmur behind of the interpreters doing their uh, translating. And you feel part of something enormously... I, I wish I could wrap up the atmosphere last week and bring it to you here now and dump it on you. It would be lovely if I could just have, you know, a big pot of atmosphere and ladle it out to you. The, this is the atmosphere of the global church. This is the atmosphere of what God is doing around the world. This is the atmosphere of the glorious things he's up to around the world. This is the atmosphere of, of, of tremendous things that we're hearing about. This is the atmosphere of friendship. This is the atmosphere of international friendship. This is the atmosphere of people on a mission together to reach the world. This is the atmosphere of a people who understand this commission that it's to the ends of the earth. This is the atmosphere of these people together. This is the atmosphere of these people worshipping together. This is the atmosphere of the global church. Oh, man. I hope you're catching something of this. And you, think, you might think, well, it's all right for you, David, you go on these things. I just want to express to you, I go knowing I'm going on your behalf. I'm, I'm, I, you and I are part of the same church. And I just wish there was some way of expressing to you more than Jackie standing up and me standing up something that you would catch of this glorious international vision we're part of. So thank you for praying. And be open to God's prompting. You know, New Frontiers is a church planting movement. Like we said, there's over a thousand churches attached to us worldwide. We're not the only stream and not the largest stream. There are many, many other apostolic streams doing similar things to us. But we're a church planting movement and this church will be called to plant at some point. That's, that's, the way, that's just the way God works. It's just the way it is. That'll be a good day, won't it? That'll be an exciting day. When we send and commission people from this church to plant a church in another place. And don't give me that, aren't there enough churches, tosh. Because there's millions of people in this country who need to know Jesus. Millions. 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 
very strange sensation in Nigeria to see all these churches and all these people worshipping God. It's very strange. You know, it's, it's, in a sense, it's almost weird. You think, well, blow me, everyone's a Christian, you know. So around, everyone around me seems to be a Christian. It's, it, it is weird. Because we're so used to the English culture. But God will change things. And we're on the move, and we will be at some point. I don't know. I'm, I don't know when or where. It might be next year. It might be five years. I don't know when or where. I wait for God. I wait for the Spirit to open things up and give us the opportunity. So I'm just saying to you guys, be ready. It might be you. <laughs> it might be you. Or it might be that you are called to stay here in Hatfield for the rest of your life. There's some horrified looks. <laughs> Lord, we just ask you please to lead us internationally. Thank you for all the doors you've opened up to us. Thank you, Lord, for the teams we've already sent to Russia. Lord, thank you for the joy of being able to help those Christians out there, for serving them, building them up. Lord, I, I just thank you for that. Thank you, Lord, that you have made this church multi-ethnic. And Lord, we, we rejoice in that. And next week, Lord, we pray. Holy Spirit, be very present with us. May it be an extraordinary time next week when we celebrate and baptize and enjoy the goodness of God. Thank you, Lord, for saving us. Amen. Amen.